Hey there. I don't have to tell you, navigating the American healthcare system, especially the financial side, can feel like getting trapped in a medieval torture device. So it pretty much fits that the people who work at Renaissance fairs have come up with a workaround. This is An Arm and a Leg, a podcast about the cost of healthcare. I'm Dan Weissman. If you heard our first episode, you know that one of the things that pushed me to do this show is that the minute I started talking to people about the idea of a show like this, they started telling me some surprising stories. And this is one of those. And (laughs) it's my favorite. My oldest friend, we grew up together. He's been performing at Renaissance fairs for more than 20 years. And when I told him about this project, he was like, oh, yeah, there's this thing we have. I did a short version of this story with NPR's Planet Money team a few months ago. And in this episode, we'll get a little deeper because there's more to the story. The Renfair people are doing two things. One, they are pooling money to help each other out. But two, they are making medical bills disappear. More than two million bucks over the last few years. And we are going to meet the person who makes that happen. And she's going to teach us a few of her tricks. About 35 miles east of Austin, Texas, I am standing in a kind of open-air pub at the Sherwood Forest Fair. Most people here are dressed like extras from Game of Thrones. Have you gotten the chance to speak with Robin Hood yet? Robin! Come forward! Robin Hood does that thing they all do at Renaissance fairs where they pretend to be amazed by modern technology, like my microphone. Device you have there, sir. It's, a lot of people say that here. That's interesting. I can imagine. Another newfangled invention they don't all have? Health insurance. You don't make a lot of money dressing up in tights. And everyone's a contractor. Rent fares are a gig economy. Health insurance not included. And even those who buy insurance, they spend a lot of every year chasing gigs from state to state, and their insurance coverage doesn't follow them. You know, it's all fun and games till someone gets a run through with a jousting lance. There's a lot that can go wrong back in the Middle Ages. Danielle DuPont performs as a washing well wench, dragging spectators into her show. Do you want to see him do something dangerous? Yeah! yeah! Disgusting! Yeah! yeah! Me too. Yeah. Years ago, she fell off a stage and twisted her ankle. Good news, by the time she got back from the ER, her fellow performers had passed the jangly hat and raised like $2,000 for her. She was touched. But later, she found out that not everyone got the same kind of generosity. There was another family whose daughter got sick, and no one had stepped up to help them. And it was not fair. And it wasn't fair that I was because I was popular. I was 22. I was cute. I had a stage show. People came up with money for me. And yet this artisan family who didn't get any money and had to leave was not fair. So the Rennies, as they call themselves, took their informal spirit of charity and made it official. They call it Rescue Foundation a way to raise money and get it to whoever needs it the most at Renaissance fairs around the country. The fundraisers turned out to be the easy part. Rennies have a ton of imagination, and they came up with a clever way to use it. Carol Black is one of Rescue's founders. She says they would pick up worthless items at a thrift store and then auction them off with a story. We auctioned off a broken wooden dish strainer as the Gutenberg paper dryer. And it went for $150 because of the story. But making sure that money went where it was needed most, to Rennies around the country, that was harder. And in order to make it work, they had to embrace a concept that practically defines modernity. Bureaucracy. 
Carol says they started like any good healthcare organization with paperwork. Which is really hard for people, especially people in this type of a industry. Rennies who need help paying for health care have to fill out a form, prove they've worked at a fair, as an elf or a juggler or a minstrel or a big burly dude who sells turkey legs. Doesn't matter. There's a committee that reviews everything. We average probably about 4,500 minutes a month in conference calls. Carrier pigeons? They've gotten expensive. Those who get approved can get a little money, and more importantly, they can get help navigating the healthcare system. Kaylin Globig used to sell belly dancing outfits. Now she works as Rescue's case manager. You know, there are roads to take when you're uninsured. Um, It's just that people don't know how to do it, and they won't necessarily tell you. (laughs) Kaylin walks Rennies through the process of advocating for themselves. She teaches them the magic words to slay the healthcare dragon, application, charity care, financial aid. Lots of hospitals are nonprofits, and they're actually required to show that they, you know, do some good works, like discounts for poor people. Sometimes they call it charity care, sometimes financial aid, and it helps to know how to ask for it. Teaching people to do this sort of thing turns out to be the Rescue Foundation's real wizardry. In the past five years, Rescue says it has raised about half a million bucks to pay down medical bills, and it has gotten more than $2 million in price breaks. That $2 million bucks? That's Kalen. We'll get into how she does it right after this. Okay, here is how Kaylin became a medical bill wizard. One day, years ago, when she was a Rennie scooting around the country, she had some scary stomach pain. She ended up in the ER. And they did a bunch of tests, and the doctor came back and said, this is a head scratcher. Okay, thanks, Doc. Then she got the bill, 5000 bucks. It scared me. I had actually called the hospital crying. <laughs> I'm like, I can't pay this bill. And that worked. They offered her a charity care application and knocked the bill down to 700 bucks, which was still a lot for her. So she asked Rescue for help. And that's how she first got involved. Now she's off the road, and most Rennies who come to Rescue for help end up talking with her. Lots of Rennies qualify for charity care. Folks who live in tents or camper vans or trailers they lug around the country. My friend, who turned me on to this story, calls his tribe the mobile homeless. And a number of them can really use Kaylin's help with the process. A lot of people do need that that instruction on how to make a phone call, how to, like, you know, step by step, like, how do you take care of this? And actually making these kind of calls successfully, like keeping your cool enough to be effective, that requires some pretty advanced adulting. I just let them know it's important just to be very calm and gracious and grateful uh, for anything that they do, even if it's something that's not going to work for you. Thank you for looking into that. Thank you for your time. That way, if you have to call them back, <laughs> you don't have a black mark on your name there. Kaylin says even she finds it hard sometimes, and sometimes she has to push harder. Like when she had a heart patient who urgently needed treatment, and the cardiologist's office wouldn't play ball, even just to schedule a consult. And they won't see him they, because he doesn't have insurance. And I'm like, well, we're going to pay for his, you know, his initial visit. He's covered for this visit. And they said, but what if he has a heart attack in the office? Then we have to do all this medical stuff to him, and he's not going to be able to pay for it. And I'm like, I said, the other choice is to send our patient out to the street to die. So you and I need to figure this out. Ultimately, she was more stubborn than they were. The guy got his appointment and he didn't have a heart attack on the table. She's got lots of tactics, negotiating payment plans, writing hardship letters and asking for something called a super bill. The super bill has all of the codes for each procedure that this person has had as they're uh, going through their medical adventure. These are the codes that insurance plans use, including Medicare, which, 
posts the rates it pays for each code online. And I look up those codes and I see how much Medicare will pay for those. And often it is it's less than half of what they're actually charging you. So she'll ask, how about we pay you the Medicare price? Sometimes it works. So yeah, this is stuff you could actually do. Call, be really, really nice, and ask for the super bill. You might have to ask more than once. Kaylin says she'll get maybe 100 new cases a year. And she does all this part-time. She's only working for this Rennie self-help fund, the Rescue Foundation, 20 hours a week. And she earns the rest of her living as a real estate agent. You know what? I love this job because I'm so appalled at the way they try to work our medical system. Um, I like to be on this side of it, the one that's kind of fighting for the, you know, for the little guy. This would be hard to make work in another setting or on a bigger scale because it's not just that Kaylin loves her job and is really great at it. It's that she's serving a tight-knit bunch of people, her people. Rennie's are a tribe. I mean, I met two women at that fair in Austin, Texas, who worked at a candle booth, you know, a retail gig, just in a tent. Their incomes were like six or $7,000 a year. Here's Mandy Wilson. She used to be a nurse. My life is hard. Anyone who is out here and does what we do can't say their life is not hard. But the ones of us who are out here wouldn't trade it for the world. Because day by day, there will be somebody there to pick you up to make you get to the next day. Because two months down the road, they may need you to pick them up. It's not a setup most of us are ready for. But something to think about. And a nice place to visit. And you having fun? For sure, yeah. I'm About talking to Robin Hood. What awesome. Yeah. And I think there are more people like Caleb, people who know the ins and outs of the system and are game to help others. We want more of their tricks. And somewhere down the line, we might like to get them on the show to take questions from people who need some advice. So if you know someone like that, or if you are someone like that, would you get in touch, please? Meanwhile, some of you have been getting in touch with stories of your own. Here's a couple. Bonus, they are voice memos, your voices. So first, Susan from Virginia sent this in. I fought our health insurance provider and won. That is something I never thought I would have to do. But we're self-employed and we bought insurance through the marketplace. In 2016, I buckled down hard because we were in the adoption process for our son who had major medical needs. He was born without an esophagus in another country, and he had never eaten a bite of food by mouth. So when I chose insurance for the 2017 year, I 100% based our choice on which policy I thought would cover this necessary surgery that needed to be done at an out-of-state hospital, a very specific hospital in the U.S., It's basically impossible to know if something will be covered until it happens. So we went into surgery day not really knowing whether or not it would be covered. But we also knew that even if it cost a million dollars, he needed the surgery, so we would figure something out. It ended up being a 19-month process to get the surgery covered at the in-network rate. The day insurance called and said that they granted the appeal, it felt absolutely unreal. I'd been fighting for so long, and honestly, I'd been lied to by representatives of my health insurance company, whether intentionally or unintentionally. I'd just been lied to so many times, I had a really hard time believing 
that it was really happening, that the fight was really over and it was really covered. I'm always troubled when talking about health insurance because on one hand, I think the financial side of the health industry is in general just totally out of control. But on the other hand, if it weren't for insurance in the marketplace, our son may not have been able to have this surgery at all. Susan, thank you for sharing that story. And in response to our story last time about how hard it is to understand health insurance, we got this from Nick. Uh, Greetings, Dan. Um, I'm fascinated by health economics, and in particular the U.S. health economic system. Uh, So I'm finding an arm and a leg both a joy to listen to, but also a quite upsetting and horrifying experience. Um, I'm also finding that the more I listen, the more I don't quite get how your system works. Now, I should clarify, as you may have guessed from the accent, I'm British, and so I'm incredibly grateful for our amazing NHS. I'm also, massive conflict of interest, an anaesthetics and critical care doctor working in the NHS. I'm just wondering if there's any chance you could do a basic primer in US healthcare for those of us who don't really understand it, especially those of us abroad but listening in. Like, what are copays and deductibles? What are plans? Why can you only see certain doctors on certain plans? I mean, I don't even know whether this means that if you have a heart attack, you can only see a cardiologist on certain plans, or does it concern individual cardiologists? All the best, and keep up the good work. Nick. Thank you, Nick. And I suspect you're not alone. Even a lot of us here struggle to figure out a lot of this stuff. So yeah, we should do that. We've already slated our big stories for the rest of season one, which ends December 18th. But consider this on the list of stories we are looking at for season two, coming in 2019. Other folks have been sending in stories too. We'll share a few of those in our newsletter. Yep, we've got a newsletter. It's free, comes out once a week. It's got a little extra information on each episode, and when season one ends in December, it'll be a way for us to keep in touch, especially so we can let you know more about season two and when it's coming. You can sign up at armandalegshow.com slash newsletter. Meanwhile, insurance companies seem to say that one of the big things they do is keep prices down for customers. They've got negotiating power. Yeah, they're actually pretty bad at that. That's next time on an arm and a leg. Till then, take care of yourself. This is An Arm and a Leg, a show about the cost of healthcare. This episode was produced by me, Dan Weissman, edited by Whitney Henry Lester. Our consulting producer is Daisy Rosario. Adam Raimunda is our audio wizard. Our music is by Dave Weiner. Special thanks for this episode go to Bryant Erstadt and Robert Smith at Planet Money for commissioning this story the first time out and for great edits. Thanks to everyone who has sent in stories. That is stories at armandalegshow.com. And thanks to everyone who's rated and reviewed us on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere else. And thanks to our new Patreon supporters. Pledge two bucks a month or more, you get a shout out right here. This week, it's thank you to Howard Heitner, Frank Robinson Safford, Lawrence Moss, Nadia Elson, and Tom Karchis. Special thanks for this story also go to Joshua Safford, Rebecca O'Keefe, Judith Mitch, and the Rennies who lent me a tent to sleep in and introduced me around at Sherwood Forest Fair. Oh, my name is Rugong and Ruhierio, King High Protector of the Dreaming, King of Arcadia, Lord of the She, Fae Champion of Ilgrasso, Protector of the Eternal Portal, Slayer of the Balor. You have other people to talk to, I'll stop there. I could go on for the rest of your life. I'm very old and I have many titles.